Welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live, right here on Faith FM. G'day, my name's Lloyd Grolleman. I'm the Aussie Pastor. Welcome to our program today. Coming to you from our brand, and I mean brand, brand, brand new studio in northwest Sydney. Welcome, Hunty. G'day, mate. He's our production producer, for those of you who don't know. How are you feeling? Yeah, I'm feeling gruntled. <laughs> gruntled? <laughs> Very gruntled. What was, what was that little noise that went up and down? <laughs> goes with my gruntledness. What's gruntled mean? Well, you know what disgruntled means. Yes. Well, gruntled is satisfied, happy and relaxed. And why are you satisfied, happy and relaxed? Because mate, we've had a studio upgrade. <laughs> we've upgraded from your front room to my front room. Okay, I won't say anything except to say that it's noisier here than it was in the last place. But if he's gruntled, I'm happy too. Welcome, <laughs> welcome, Hunty. We're glad to have you here. Good to be here. And I want to welcome our listeners. So glad you're with us today. We have a good program today. We've got three really good guests coming. Harold Harker, he's going to talk about a young man in history who I reckon is one of the great heroes of the Protestant Reformation. Then we're going to also have two other guests. Wayne Bohm, who's a mate of mine, has been for a long time. And we're going to talk about his work over in the Pacific. And then another guy who works out way out west, David Gilmore, with the Aboriginals. It has an incredible life and an incredible ministry out there. This is going to be a good program. And you know what? We want to hear from you. That's right, our listeners. We want to hear from you. And you can SMS us on 04-888-80851. Let me say that again because I'm going to keep repeating this number until you've got it. 04-888-80851. Or this week, you can also email us, hunty. Info at aussiepastor.com. Uh, uh, call us, uh, text us, get in contact with us. We want to hear you. And later on in the program, we're going to do something very special, Hunty. That's right. What are we going to do? Q&A. That's right. So you can contact us on that phone number. You can text us or you can email us any question you want on any subject in all the Bible. And we'll be really, really happy to hear you. Welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live today. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Actually, I've got to stop calling you a dinosaur, Humpty. <laughs> I do that. I like that. I, I do that because how do you get your news again? Television. Television. I get mine online. But you need to understand, so I don't actually rush to the TV at six o'clock. I, I record everything and I put it on in the background, so I don't actually spend any dedicated time. Ah, oh, is that news. the reason? No, it's just in, it's just in the process of doing other things I get to see and hear. Okay. You know, one thing that I've been watching about the news. Now, I, I watch it online. Now, when I say watch online, I, I read most of my news. Um, COVID-19 is not going away. That's right. It's stunning. Mm. It started 14 months ago and literally every single day on the news, no matter where you're watching it, reading it or seeing it, COVID-19 has dominated. And I noticed in India that right now it's just breaking out again. It's all over the place. Our cricketers are coming home from the big cricket comp over there. People are fleeing India. India, two, 3,000 people are dying a day. Now, here we are 14, 15 months out and you and me are in a unique position. We are. We're over 50. Mm. 
And within a few days, Hunty, you'll be able to go to a hospital clinic or a doctor and get the COVID-19 AstraZeneca injection. What are you going to do? Funny you should ask. I've actually done a couple of 180s and a 360 on this. Yeah. I was all ready to go. I was all primed, let's get the jab. But then the blood clot thing broke. And I thought, okay, Australia's not under a great threat right now. Our borders are closed. There's not a lot of COVID in the country. I did not need to be the first person of my friends to die of a blood clot. So I thought, that's it, I'm waiting. So you're going to wait? No, because I did another 180. (laughs) And I did some math and I thought, ooh, what are the chances of me dying of a blood clot versus the chances of me dying of COVID? Actually, I know those chances. The blood clot thing. So if you go get a COVID-19 AstraZeneca injection, your chances of dying of a blood clot, and I'll make sure, so this is coming out of my head, I haven't got it written down. It is one in a million. That's right. But you do have four chances in a million of getting a blood clot. But if you get that blood clot, only one out of four people. So it's not so good if you get the blood clot. No. No, in our luck, we'd probably get the clot. (laughs) (laughs) Um one out of four die of the clot, but it's only one in a million. Now, if you get COVID-19, Hunty, this is where it gets interesting. Yep. Do you know what chance there is of you dying? Tell me. Twenty-five to 30,000 in a million. So yeah. it's the AstraZeneca yeah. injection is one in a million if you get COVID-19, and God forbid, but if you do, then you've got twenty-five to 30,000 chances in a million of dying. And that's why I'm lining up for my jab as soon as I'm... Available. Kind of got to do the math, haven't you? You do. If you do the math, kind of leans towards the jab. Uh, what am I going to do? Uh, well, <laughs> we want to travel. We do. We want to travel because we've got a ministry that's based not just in radio but very much in television. We have to travel. And if you're going to travel, you have to get the jab. So I'll be lining up with really? you to get the jab. You need to get the AstraZeneca? Well, I have no choice because I'm over 50. They don't offer you anything else in Australia. Yep. But you know what? I don't think this is the last, and, and it's probably a bit of a negative thing to say, I don't think this is the last time we will see a terrible pandemic like this sweep across the True. world. I Jesus said, hey, as it gets to the end of time, yep. we're going to see more and more. In fact, he goes further. He says, further, he says when you see these things happen, look up because your redemption draws nigh. No. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. This song, Feel Like Going Home by the Notting Hillbillies. Never heard of the Notting Hillbillies until we started this program. <laughs> Me either. I like them. And I really like this song. I think you'll like it too. Lord, I feel Tried and I failed, and I'm tired and weary. Everything I ever done was wrong, and I feel like going home. Too much for 
Welcome Harold Harker to the program again. He's one of our regular contributors. Welcome Harold. Thank you Lloyd. Great to be with you again. Now before we get into today's uh, topic, a man who is very inspiring, Andreas Fisher, I want to ask you just a couple more questions about yourself personally. Uh, what sure. is it Harold that got you interested in travel? Well history really. I loved history from school days. I read all the history books even before the year of work started, 
and I've gone with that with religious history, and I just want to go to those places and see where God led out in these things. It's fantastic to do that. I think you and I must have something in common then, because I love history too. Um, how many countries do you think you've travelled to over the years? Oh, probably 40 or 50 or more, I don't know. Something like that. Yeah, you're very widely travelled, um, and you've been to, to Europe and the Middle East and places like that multiple times, correct? I've led about 24 groups of people through Europe and the Middle East, so it's very familiar to me. I went on one of your trips through Europe, and it was, to be honest, Harold, it was one of the trips of my lifetime. I, I, I just appreciated it so much. Let's get into Andreas Fischer. Born in okay. Slovakia around 1480, do we know much about his childhood? No, we don't know too much about his childhood, but... Slovakia is what used to be part of Czechoslovakia and it separated in about 1993. But he was born in that southern part, not too much known about his childhood, but obviously the uh, uh, Radical Reformation was going on and uh, that started it. That whole area, the Czech Republic, Slovakia, has a rich heritage of really mighty Protestant reformers, doesn't it? It sure does. Uh, you know, we've we've talked about uh, um, the guy from Prague, uh, Huss, who was uh, martyred, uh, and it, it had great preachers that went right through this area. So this guy, Andreas Fischer, a lot of us probably haven't heard as much about him as we have of the great figures of, say, Huss and Jerome. He becomes an Anabaptist. Do we know how he became an Anabaptist? Well, the Anabaptists came out of the... Uh, firstly, they accepted all the beliefs that Luther was preaching about the Bible and how you can be justified, but they went further. And a number of them became what we call Anabaptists because they believed in adult baptism. You know, Anabaptists were... We would call them great Christians. Mm. They believed in discipleship. They identified the Bible as the ultimate authority. They believed that Jesus brought power to obey him. They had a witness to go into all the world. And these Anabaptists didn't like what Luther had said. The church and the state were together, and Luther got together with all the, the, the lords of the land. But the Anabaptists said, no, we want that separated. And that was one of the causes of division. So they believed in the separation of the church and the government? Yes, they, they saw the church should be separate from the state and when they were combined, that's when trouble and persecution began usually. So do we know how Andreas Fischer came into contact with them and how he became an Anabaptist or is that a bit murky? Uh, it, it's just that it developed in that area. He became an Anabaptist and he was a participant in a debate between Caspar Schwenkenfeld, who was a German, and the Sabbatarian Anabaptist. Andrew, we would call him Andrew Fisher, or Andreas was his name then. He really was a devout one who supported the uh, the Decalogue, the, the Ten Commandments, including the Sabbath, and he was part of that debate. So he he actually became a strong writer and leader right through this area. So although it's not 
really clear how he becomes an Anabaptist. He got caught up in this movement. I find that particularly interesting that he was a seventh-day Sabbath. I like to use the word celebrator. He was worshipping the Lord on the seventh-day Sabbath way back in the late 1400s. That's right. Uh, Well, he was born in 1400s. Certainly by the turn of the century, that's where he was. That's right. So, so what did he do for a living? What, what, what do we know well, any, it, much about that, or is that a bit murky too? Well, he went to the University of Vienna. He was a student there for about up to ten years, so he was well educated. He even knew uh, uh, Greek and Hebrew, so he was well educated in in the Bible and things. And then they thought he was a priest. That's never been confirmed. He was certainly a very great preacher. Yeah, um, a priest, and yet he was married, possibly with children. Yes, he had a daughter. We know he had a daughter when he was in Bohemia because these guys moved around as a bit of trouble came they'd move on when the rulers of the the local people didn't want to hear them i like that actually about the way the gospel works it comes under persecution it comes under pressure they have to move on satan thinks he's winning actually all he's doing is planting the gospel in another town or a village somewhere else they've already planted the gospel where they were and and that's how it spread across europe like a wildfire Sure, well, the Waldensi spread the great thoughts about the Bible and how you're saved, and this just grows from that. As people studied the Scriptures more, these things came to the top. Well, we've got a Protestant Sabbath-keeping, baptised by immersion when you're an adult-believing, Bible-believing preacher who's on fire. What area of Europe, and I wish I could have heard this guy preach. Maybe when we get to heaven, we'll hear some of these guys <laughs> preach as Amen. they give their testimony. Uh, what areas of Europe did he preach and teach in? Well, he worked mainly in what was called Silesia, which is now the southern part of Poland, and in Slovakia, and a little touch of Germany. That was the area of Central Europe where these guys were working. Now, do we know much about where he would preach and how he would preach? Was it in churches? Was it in universities? Was it in open fields? Do we know how? No. We haven't heard just where he preached, but he certainly got an audience wherever he went. He must have been an on-fire preacher that got people's attention, and he would hold his Bible and say, this is where it comes from. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess that goes back to the Sabbath. You know, here you've got this Sabbath-keeping, which even for those days was unusual, right? It was. There, In fact, these were part of what we call the Radical Reformation. They believed that you to be baptised. In fact, one of their leaders was chased out because he refused to let his infant be baptised. He said, no, baptism is for adults who can believe. And then these, these Baptists, who were called Anabaptists, found the Sabbath, and they were then called Sabbatarian Anabaptists. Where did they find the Sabbath? They found the Sabbath in the uh, in the Bible, in the Ten Commandments. In fact, Andre Fisher he would emphasise the immutability of the Ten Commandments. Which means and what for our list, for our listeners? What's his immutability? What's that mean? It's always in vogue. It never changes. It's the ultimate authority forever, and that's what he said. It's for us today. It's for us always. And we need to have faith to keep it. 
Um, and yet he was a preacher. He appreciated, he honoured and respected God's law, and yet he was a Protestant believer in grace and through faith, wasn't he? That's right. He believed that faith doesn't abolish the law. He said Jesus kept the Sabbath too. And then he even said what people haven't heard time, Sunday wasn't anywhere in the scripture yeah, that's as a correct. day of worship. Yeah, well, that is correct. That is, oh. I remember my grandfather, he was a, uh, one of these sawdust tent preachers, you know, the, those sorts yeah. of Harold, and he, he would say the same thing. You can go for, he, he would offer a reward. If anyone could, t- and this was like, like way back in the 30s, 1930s, so if anyone can uh, show me a text uh, that says Sunday is the Sabbath and is to be kept holy, he would offer them $1,000. Now, that would be like offering someone thirty or fifty or 100000 today, way back then. No one it ever came forward. Look, would I be right in saying but these Anabaptists are perhaps the, the the spiritual forefathers or the spiritual ancestors of the Seventh-day Adventist Church? Certainly we have our roots there. The Anabaptists also started the Hutterites and the Mennonites from America, but the Sabbatarian ones would have come into the Seventh-day Baptists. That's where they came from, and it came from there into the Adventist Church. But this just shows that God has always had people in some parts of the world who kept the seventh-day Sabbath. Yeah, always, from the time of the disciples to this day. Uh, It's interesting, actually, when you look in Adventist history, how you can directly trace our lineage right back to these Anabaptists because it was a Seventh-day Baptist, a lady by the name of Rachel Oakes, that the Sabbath really came to Adventism, wasn't it? That's true. That's true. Now let's get back to Andreas Fischer or Andrew Fischer. By 1527, so he's what, yep. 1480, 1500. He's, he's 47 years old, not much younger than me. Uh, by yep. 1527, Anabaptists were outlawed and police constables on horseback would ride around Vienna arresting, imprisoning and murdering them. Why? And here's yep. my question. Why did both the Protestants and the Catholics hate the Anabaptists so much that both groups would martyr, would murder them for their faith? Well, what was there in 1527 was legalised in 1529 at the Diet of Spire when they all the German nobles chose to believe in justification by faith and they supported Luther. But the same gathering, the Diet of Spire, said Anabaptists shouldn't be tolerated and the reason was both the established church, the Catholic Church of the Middle Ages, and the Lutherans all supported the princes. You see, Luther got the princes behind him and supported him. And so the Lutherans had to support this com- combination of church and state. Anabaptists said, no, we're separate. They they can do the state things. The church should do what's de- mm. determined to do with Jesus. And so they were said, "Ah, you're criminal." They called them criminals just because they wouldn't. Su- they, they didn't want to mix the church and the state together. That's right. And really, by 1529, these um, roving constables had virtually wiped out all the Anabaptists in Austria. So murdered them. Yeah. 
Look, I, I find I find that incredibly disappointing, Harold. That the Protestants look. I, I can I, I can understand Catholicism because they have a a history almost a, a a lineage of of persecution of of the Church of God. But for the Protestants, it just goes to show you that you can be involved in a good thing and still go off the tracks, doesn't it? Yeah, you've got to keep looking to the Bible for totally always. Hey, just a question, right field? Do you think the Anabaptist? Yeah. Do you think it, their influence had anything to do with the rise of the mighty nation of the United States who believes so strongly in the separation of church and the state and even our own nation, Australia? Do you, do you think that, and, and in Australia, we believe in the notion of separation of church and state. Uh, we don't yes. have a state church, thank, thank the Lord. Uh, we don't want Amen. the church interfering in government. Uh, uh, not, never any good comes from that. But do you think the Anabaptists had a, an influence on the rise of the United States as the greatest democracy in the history of the world? Well, they did. In fact, the persecution of these Anabaptists finally awakened the sensibility of people's better nature and they said, okay, let's uh, leave them alone. And that's when the persecutions tend to die down, but they were still strong. Church should be separate from the state. Whenever they get together, there's always coercion, and God never uses coercion. I think then you could say that the United States and the world has a lot to thank God for the Anabaptists. Um, Amen. So on the 11th of May, 1529, Fisher and his wife were arrested. It's a sad story. Yeah. What happens to his wife? You know, they had gone out of Austria and they were in Silesia, which was southern Poland, and here they get arrested. And, uh, of course, they're going to be tried and they're going to be put to death. Mm. And both Fisher and his wife, and she was a preacher too, you know. Yeah, yeah, wonderful. Yep. But when they're arrested, they said, okay, we're going to drown his wife and we're going to hang Fisher. So what happens? Wow. So what happens? Well, they they drowned his wife. They pushed her under the water and kept her under. She drowned. Martha. But then, then they said, okay, a bit later, now it's time to get Fisher. And they arraigned him. They tried him. And they said he's going to die now by hanging. So they get this noose and the scaffold, and they're about to go there. And either the rope broke or someone cut it for some reason, and he falls down and gallops off, and he's called the guy they couldn't hang. Wonderful. In, in other words, God had not finished with Andre Fisher. Oh, that's for sure. After he left, he just kept going preaching. How, look, I don't know whether this is true or not, but is it true that he would baptise how many people a day? Well, in his preaching after this, it's recorded that he would baptise up to about 80 people a day. He so, would f- preach baptize them and they would become believers in jesus and baptism and even the sabbath so he has a devastating blow of losing his wife martyred right i'm sure he loved her he escapes through a miracle the rope breaks and he runs off and disappears and from he gets married again actually doesn't he well he got married the same year yeah i guess he wanted to find someone there but he's off for a while and he goes uh for oh, some years, a little while. Well, he goes another six years. Again. He goes another six yeah. years before they catch him again. Yeah, and he's wh- travelling all through that part of Central Europe. And if he's baptising 80 or so people a day, you can imagine the impact he's having on Europe. 
it was a great impact at that time. I mean, when they baptise these people, their lives are on the line. They are on fire for Jesus. They don't be quiet. If you, if you escaped, imagine being hung, the rope breaks or something, and you fall down and you take off and you get out and off you go. And he went. And he kept preaching. Actually, most of us, story. most of us would probably be quiet. But they catch him in fifteen thirty-five. He gets six more years. What do they do to him? Well, they just put him in in the the jails. Were in the castles, and so he is taken to this place, and there he's murdered in this castle in what would be southern Poland, Krasnokorka. So he's about fifty-five years of age, and his life ends prematurely. Yeah, he's about 60 when he dies. When he Probably five years in prison. Yeah, Can okay. you imagine? Yep. Five years in prison with uh, chained up and everything else, and then they decide to finish him off. And I mean, this is prison, prison. He's put in a little room, probably no oh, window, yeah. chained, no light, and he sits there for five years. Then they take him out and execute him. That's right. They That's re- Andre Fisher. They really paid the price for the gospel, didn't they? Look, in the in the coming when Jesus comes, you imagine the reward of these guys yeah. who've given everything possible. I'm gonna go looking for Andre Fisher when by grace through faith we ourselves are well, taken to heaven. I will too, and I picked up a book all about him and I thought, This is the best guy I've read about. He did everything he could for for Jesus mm. and he even gave his life. It's a very moving story. Uh two quick questions to end this this wonderful, very inspiring story. What can we learn as Christians today from Fisher and his life? Well I think you must remember all of this took place because he put the Bible first. His authority, the ultimate authority is always the Bible. And, and so we as Christians found, need to make sure we're doing that. Yes, and then he found that Jesus was the central part of his life. Mm. He believed Jesus, he lived for him, and he believed that Jesus will give you the power to live each day for him. Mm. And that's what he did. Yeah. And so I believe the lesson for me, hold on to Jesus, be close to him, and follow his commandments because you love him. And this last question, sobering one. We're living in a free world, Harold. Australia is a free world. I go to church every week. There's no persecution. There's no oppression. There's no real laws. Although I do see things tightening in Australia a little, but that's for another time. Do you think Christians from the Western world, Australia, America, Britain, New Zealand, Europe, will ever suffer for their faith again like Fisher did before we see Jesus? Well, I believe, like you are, that things are tightening here and right across the Western world. And unless we know what happens when all power is concentrated in one place, whether it be church and state, if you try and make people do what you want, it's persecution. And that means, just like Andre Fisher, he died for it. And I believe... If people let our liberties go mm. without standing up for them, mm. this could come again. In fact, I think Jesus tells us in Matthew 24 that before he comes, it will come again. I believe it will. Very sobering. And, and, and if we're going to stand, we're going to have to be like Fisher, men and women and rooted we- in the Scripture, 
who know Jesus, who know the gospel, and obey him because they've fallen in love with him. Amen. What a great guy with Andrew Fisher. Thank you, Harold. I, I think one of the best stories yet. Thank you so much for joining us again today on the Aussie Pastor Live, and I look forward to talking to you again shortly. God bless. Yeah, bye. Bye then. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. You know, Hunty, I yeah, think Harold has more good stories about men and women of faith and how they suffered for the gospel than anybody I've ever come across. For sure. I'd never really heard of Andre Fisher, Andrew Fisher in the English, until Harold brought this story forward. And if we ever go to Europe again, and I hope and pray we do, but who knows with the way the world is with COVID-19, here's a story I'd love to do. Cool. Very, very inspiring just listening to Harold there as he, he unpacked the story of this incredible man. Just just really, really wonderful. Look, we want to hear from you. We've got a couple of messages come through, but we want to do a little segment in our program called Ask Pastor Lloyd. <laughs> I forget. Ask the Aussie Ask Pastor. Ask the Aussie Pastor. <laughs> That's what happens when you do live right. I need to write it down. Ask the Aussie Pastor. But it's Q&A. It's so send your questions in. Yeah. SMS them or email them. And I'm going to have a real go. Okay. Uh, the number, 04 triple eight eight zero eight five one now i know it's long i wish we had one of those four hey but how about this oh four double eight no double eight oh eight five one no we don't want to confuse them we're okay. going to keep saying it the same way in that case info at aussiepastor.com email yeah, us that's an easy way to do it isn't yeah. it info at aussiepastor.com or zero four triple eight eight zero eight five one Send those messages in because I want to. I've got one really good question here, Hunty, and I think there's another one just come in too. Which yep, is, we've got two so far. Yeah, two really good questions. But I want to yep. hear some more from you guys. So get back to us. This next song, I like it a lot. Michael Yuzeski and Martha Marlowe singing, I believe. A flower grows And I believe that somewhere In the darkest night A candle glows I believe for everyone Who goes astray Someone will come To show
Okay, Hamdi. That was beautiful. It is. a beautiful song. I, yeah. I, I was just thinking, you know. Wow. This is live radio. Yep. We can change and twist and turn as much as we like. We can. I, I just was – I went to Kurong the other day. Yep. And I got a beautiful new Bible. Did you finally get your new Bible? I did. I got my new Bible because what had happened is my old Bible, I gave it to my father-in-law who lives in Indonesia because it was giant print. Yep. I, li- I like giant print because my, Me too. my eyes aren't so cool. Um, and so when I got giant print, I can have my Bible. And I like, I was reading a lot from my phone and my computer, as you know, but I've gone back to the Bible because there's something about getting up the front and preaching with the Bible in your hands. So I went to Kurong and I got this beautiful giant print Bible, love it. Used it for the first time last Sabbath Good preaching. Stuff. I just loved it. It was it was incredible. Now, now here's the thing. Yep. I want to give another one of these giant print Bibles out. Now this is Ooh. this is coming. This is it's not a prize. It's a gift. It's a gift from the Aussie pastor. Yes. Who too? To anybody who writes into us. Yep. A question. Yep. And to the first one that we read out. Okay. Now, how are we going to judge that? I'm not going to say it'll be the hardest question. I'm going to say it'll be the best question. That sounds like a good so plan. So if you go to 04, well, Hunty, you read it how you want to read it because you reckon – Hunty reckons he's reading it so it's easier. So let's there's give him, phone rhythm in Australia. Let's give him a go because he's here He's here, and he's telling right. me you're doing it wrong. So well, I think it's it's 433 in Australia for, for SMS numbers. Okay. So here we go. Okay. 0488. Double eight oh eight five one. Actually change that to zero. Okay. Zero four double eight double eight zero eight five one. Or info at Aussiepastor.com. Now that's easier. Now the best question that comes through today, yep. I'm going to send you from the Aussie Pastor a brand new, beautiful, exactly the same NLT Bible that I preach from. And we'll send it, we'll gift wrap it up and we'll send it tomorrow. So you'll have it this week. Wow. Yeah, so it's come tough. on, contact us with some questions, hard or easy, so that we can share with you our online audience. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. BJ Thomas. Yeah, love him. Yeah, we keep playing him almost every week. There's a couple of singers we're part playing every week. This is one of them. BJ Thomas, I want to be more like Jesus. I know that I can 
as tears of pain fell from his eyes. He prayed for those who had him crucified. I want to be more like him. I'd like to introduce you to a friend of mine, Wayne Baum. Welcome to the program. Thank you, mate. Now, Wayne, I, I can't remember when we actually first met. I remember your wife really well at college because she was very athletic and I used to play squash with her and she was one girl who could really play. Um, she probably would have run you around the court on that one. Well, look, I don't want to say too much. Um, <laughs> I was playing A grade back then. Um, okay. I'm pretty sure she'd run me around the court now, though, mate. <laughs> um, what, can you remember where we met? I think it would have been back in those same days. You were a little bit ahead of me in at college, um, and I was just one of those you know, little first years running around that probably um, you know, annoyed the, the more senior students. <laughs> um, so it was probably, yeah, I think back in those same days, so it was... Probably, I think, 90 or 91. Yeah, I, I, my last year of college was 1990, so it must have been 1990. Yeah. And I yeah, was the okay. dean on the bottom floor at, there at Avondale College. Wh- wh- what floor were you on? I was top floor. Okay, you were up there. Room, I was going to say you. Two, three, five. I was going to say you're up there amongst the nerds, but I better not say that because <laughs> <laughs> that probably aptly described me at college. None. I'm only joking. So, so you went to college. Is that where you met your wife, Carol? It was. That's where I, I got my first glimpse of her. Um, I guess I don't think I played squash with her, and I had that um, privilege of being flogged around the court um, by her a little bit later, but. Um, yeah, I would have been at college. We we first met, and then she, her first appointment was down teaching in Melbourne. Yep, yep. And it just so happened that I ended up going back to Melbourne as well. And she was working the school. I was chaplain in the school. And what do you know? We a friendship blossomed, and the rest, like thirty oh, years later, history. Okay, so so you never had a romance at at college. This was a after college romance. Yeah, I, I guess college was that, you know, where we were first introduced. Yeah, yeah. And then when we first started um, teaching together, it was, yeah, that's where really the, the friendship started to form. Hey, did you go to college straight out of school? No, I took a year off. Yeah. Um, I worked for an engineering firm in Melbourne. And what a, that was a great job. We got to, you know, as a young kid, 18, yep. 19 years of age, um, I was travelling Victoria fixing up um, gas pumps. Yeah, um, good. in petrol stations. Yeah, very and, interesting. You know, we were out on you know travel around Victoria, the different stations, meeting different people. Um, a really great job um, to get you know first first um, first year out from high school. So you go to college, you become a minister, you marry Carol, you've got two boys. Uh, yeah. 
you've ministered in a number of places around Australia. Uh, you end up in the the beautiful Apple Isle, Tasmania, as the conference president, which really means you're the lead pastor of the church in Tasmania. That's a story in itself. But while you're in Tasmania, you got a phone call where they were asking you to go and minister somewhere special. Tell us about that. Yeah. Um, we were in, in Tassie, and I remember going to work one morning. I guess the, the phone call would have been early. No, I was the only one in the office early in the morning, and I said, look, um, would it be interesting going to Solomon Islands? And, you know, as a family, both Carol and I, we'd grown up on, on stories from the island field. Um, our families had ministered in uh, Papua New Guinea and Solomon. And so, you know, my grandfather was a minister and her grandfather was a, a minister as well. So these stories of, of these different places were just well known to us. Yeah, yeah. And um, But now this was... We, we felt God was now calling us to start our own story um, in ministering to the islands. And, you know, I've got to say, Lloyd, it's probably one of the best things that, that we've ever done. And as you say, we've worked in, in various places around Australia, and each of those has been unique, and we've learned a lot and, and prayed that we've, you know, had an impact for the kingdom in those places as well. But, you know, when you get called to go outside of your culture mm. to a new culture, um, yeah, there's there's some there's excitement, there's some apprehension. You know, you're I, I guess in some ways it's like a call of Abram. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. leave your country, leave your family, and go off to a place that I'll show you. And, Actually, it's and huge. It's huge, yeah. man, because you're in Tasmania, the coldest place in Australia. You get on a plane, you are not just a married man; you are a married family man with two sons, uh, yeah. young sons too, and you fly. Yeah with those boys and your wife, to Honiara, and you get out of the plane. Tell us what it was like, as because I've been there, actually. And, yeah. and so you've, you've flown from Australia, which is nice and cool and comfortable, and you get out of the plane in Honiara, and where you live, what, fairly close to the airport, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was. So you get out of the plane. Uh, Tell us what you felt as you walked down those stairs onto the beautiful uh, tarmac in Honiara. Probably two words would actually describe that, uh, the feeling, heat and humidity. Yeah, uh, I, I can just imagine it because I remember when I went there and you walk out of the out of the plane that's like walking into a blast furnace. Um, uh, it's just extraordinary. I mean, you, you, um, in some times you could just do nothing and you'd be in a sweat. Did you ever you'd get used to down. Did you ever get used to the heat there? You did. Um, you know, the fans wherever you would go, just would not stop. You know, they, they were just going 24-7 in the, in the, um, the house, in the office, overnight. Did you <laughs> live in a house? Were. Did you live in a house with air conditioning or no chance? Uh, we had an air conditioning in there, but because power was so expensive, we, we never used it. So uh, you're on the... On the so, so what about in the office, air conditioned or pretty much fan all the time? Uh, there it was a bit of both. Okay. Um, so you, you get know, a little bit of relief sometimes at work. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then sometimes the, the power would go off, and so you, you would then have <laughs> either air conditioner or fan, um, and you just got to, yeah, sit hey, there and endure that. Now, now, just give us a little bit of background. I noticed you said that your grandparents on both sides, your wife's grandparents and your grandparents, worked in the Solomon Islands, true? Yeah, no, they, they did. Um, and this was fascinating because... You know, when 
I guess you and, and Carol and I were unaware of this at the particular when we met and married. Um, I guess there may have been a little understanding that our parents had, our grandparents had ministered out in the islands, but there yeah. wasn't, you know, a real, we, we'd never discussed it. And yet here we were, um, going back to a place where both our grandparents had actually worked and ministered. And Carol's grandparents, they went there back in 1917. Now the work wow. in Solomon's began back in 1914. And, and so only three or four years after the work commenced, um, her grandparents arrived and it was it was funny actually because the the way that um carol's grandfather proposed to the her grandmother was um he he rang her up and said look i've been asked to go to work in the solomons but i need to take a wife with me they went let me go <laughs> i can't go by myself so he said uh, um, that's one way of getting a wife <laughs> how about it yeah um and and she she accepted and they were married and they headed off there, basically on their honeymoon. Uh, on the boat, they they were given some some wood and some shelters, uh, some some roofing and iron and so forth. And they they honeymooned out there in the islands, um, you know, back in those early days. And and you know, we look at that as just so different to what you know their arrival to our arrival. And it's a big deal too there. what they did too, because they arrived in the Solomon Islands and there were still headhunters there. Yeah, that was a dangerous yeah. place to work. In yeah. fact, it can still no, it can still be a dangerous place to work. One of my friends died uh, working not so long ago in the Solomon Islands uh, over there in Malaita. Um, yeah, very interesting I've, place. I've been, yeah, I've been to that place and I've walked the past the place where where he was killed. Yeah, um, and it's very sobering. Hey, the people out there are they are they uh, are they poor? Um, Look, I would say that the, the folk out there are really rich, but not by the same definition that we would use in Australia. Yeah. You know, we, we judge wealth by the bank account. Yep. They judge wealth by by lifestyle, by family connections and things like that. And so, Well, tell me this. Um, a couple more questions. What does the Adventist church have to offer the Solomon Islands, a Christian country? I guess going back to the early days, um, there was a guy by the name of G.F. Jones. Now, he was the early pioneer to uh, to Solomon. And he was asked a question uh, reflecting back on his time there in Solomon. Mm. In 1933, he said, how did you approach ministry out there? What did you do? I mean, you're going into a rough area. You're going into people that the people that were still um, uh, cannibalistic and, and eating others and so forth. Yeah. What did you do? And he said, I simply started by telling them the story of Jesus. Yeah, wonderful story. And, oh, and and this is where I think he said everywhere we went and people would invite us then into their village to, yeah. to tell the story of Jesus. And he said, why do you want us to come in? Um, and and the, the response came, he said, because wherever you go, we're no longer taunted um, by, by the devil. We're no longer taunted by demons. We have freedom. We have a new life. And I think that's one of the things that the gospel message, mm. it has to do. And yeah. that's one of the things that the Adventist Church is doing out there is presenting the story of Jesus and allowing that story to bring freedom to people's lives. Oh, what a difference it makes, Wayne. I yeah. mean, I've been in the yeah. villages where the gospel of Jesus taken by the Adventist comes in, and it's just amazing to see the difference yeah. it makes. The village swept clean, uh, 
one village I went to, street lights, they'd set a, a little hydropower unit up. And this was a headhunter village not so long ago, uh, probably yeah. just before World War Two. And they'd, they'd set yeah. up a, a hydroelectricity scheme. They had a beautiful little church that they'd meet in every day, morning and night for worship. It was just the most beautiful, idyllic existence now i'm not i'm not silly i know that there'd be problems there that they'd have to struggle with but the gospel just and the chief of that village shared with me how the gospel had just changed that village so dramatically yeah hey one story wayne one story out of the solomons that you remember um let me just make one comment on what you just said the um you know you said you'd go into villages and they'd be morning and evening worship things like that and I think this is one of the, the, the big differences I, I saw between a Western culture and a Pacific culture is that the village life revolved around Christianity. Yeah. It revolved around spirituality. And so, you know, there would be people that would, uh, you know, come for morning and evening worship. Um, when a person gave land, they gave the best of the land, mm-hmm. um, for the church, for a church or school to be built. Yeah. And so that was, you know, really extraordinary to, to see and, a, and a, a lesson to me that, you know, we need to give our best to the Lord in, yeah. in recognition of who he is and what he's done. Yeah. Um, but a story that comes to mind when we, we went out to the Solomon, um, I knew that, um, I guess a, a little bit of the, the, the land and the layout that it would be good to take a motorbike out there. Yep. And so before we, you know, the boys had motorbikes in Tassie. And so before we, we went out there, I bought a, a, an old Honda XR to take out with, with us. Mm-hmm. And of, a, of an afternoon after work, we would jump on the bikes and go for a run. Uh, and we were sitting on a, about a 300 hectare property. Yep. Uh, and on that there was, um, the, the church, there was our, uh, office land, there was a school, and then it went off into the bush yep. and so forth. And so we would jump, often jump on the bikes and head out. And I remember being out one Sunday, and, you know, you never know where our land starts and where somebody else's. But anyway, we'd straight off onto somebody else's land. And, you know, that's a little bit of a no-no to, to do. Yeah. But anyway, we, we were there, and I happened across this village, and, you know, he wasn't all that happy with us being on his particular land. I, I get that. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, we, we made a uh, just shared greetings with, with one another. And at that particular time, I, I thought, hang on, I need, to, uh, I need to bring him back something. Mm. And so uh, on Sabbath, I went to the church. I was preaching somewhere. Then on Sunday, we jumped back on the motorbike and went back to this man's village with a, a handful of seeds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, vegetable seeds, yep. and so forth. And we struck up a conversation again. And I said, "Look, you know, here are here are some seeds I want to give to you for your garden." And you know, it's those sort of things that you know, if they can plant seeds, all of a sudden, then they can grow their garden. Yeah, they can pay for for children's education. Mm. Um, they can pay for other food, or they can barter and, and swap other food around. So it was those sort of things. So you know, to us in Australia, giving a seed is small, but out there, it's big. Mm-hmm. Um, the next day, I had on my doorstep some pawpaws <laughs> from his garden. Yum. And that struck up a friendship that over the next two years just continued to develop. And I had the absolute privilege of seeing him and his wife baptized to accept Jesus as Lord 
um, during my time out there. And it started by God, in a sense, planting a seed of faith through those humble seeds that I gave. Yeah. Uh, it came to the, it came to the Lord. What then happened Actually, it, sta- it started by you illegally riding on his property. Let's not forget where this story started. Look, don't let me put you off. Go on. What? What were you going to say? Um, but what was what was interesting then is that um, he's and I'm still in in touch uh, communication with him. He sent me pictures the other day of a church that is now established in his village. Um, and there's about 40 people that are attending that church now. And he sent me a picture also of the school they've built for the kids that are, in, are now in the village. And those, those kids are coming from surrounding villages as well to attend now this Adventist school in this, this village. And so, you know, those sort of things, it was, you know, exciting, it was humbling, it was, um, you know, incredible thing to see the power of God using something so small to grow his kingdom. And I think the, uh, the amazing thing is, really, and, and I know we're out of time, but you've had, you would have story after story after story like that where just from small beginnings the gospel blooms and now you've got a village with a church, you've got a village with yeah. 40 people who follow Christ, you've got a village that's got an Adventist Christian school in it that's helping its, its, the surrounding regions, all because of the gospel. Yep, yeah, and that's the power of the gospel. The gospel is transformational. And this is one thing that we can never lose sight of in our context back here in Australia. You know, we think of the Christian church, we think of the messages that are preached um, every week as, you know, we're listening to this today, you know, wherever, you know, our listeners might be, mm. we've got to remember that the gospel is transformational. Mm. No matter is. what issue that we might be suffering, no matter what experience we might be going through, the story of Jesus brings newness to a life. And, and we've got to remember and, and, and seek after that, that transformation the gospel alone can offer. Well, thank you, Wayne Bowen, for those stories and for your experience out in the Solomon Islands. I think we might get you back for some more stories in the not-too-distant future. I'll have to go back and think of some of them again. Yeah, because I think you might have some beauties, and they do inspire us, and what a wonderful place the Solomon Islands is. Thank you, God bless, yeah. and we'll talk to you next time, Wayne. Thank you, mate. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. I really enjoyed that talk with uh, Wayne. Yeah, isn't he fantastic? You know why? Why's that? I've been to the Solomon Islands. Yeah, me too. In my third, well, you've probably been there a number of times. I have. (laughs) (laughs) I've only been there once. It was in my third year of ministry. I was a youth pastor on the Gold Coast. Yep. It was an amazing story. We went up there. Even getting there was God. I'll, I'll tell I'll tell you the story one day. But I took a youth group of about thirty kids up there. We landed in Honiara, and then we went by plane up to Kakundu, which is right in the northwest corner of the Solomon Islands, up where John F. Kennedy actually's PT boats sank in World War Two. Wow! He went later on to become an adversary. In fact, did you know that up there, when John F. Kennedy president, he became president of America, John F. Kennedy's PT boat sank. Did you know that it was two Adventist boys that rescued him off the island and paddled right down, I think it was to Honiara, to wow. Guadalcanal, wow. to get rescued? I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, it was really interesting. Good stuff. But I'm up there, and one Sabbath I had to go and preach. I'll never forget this because Wayne just then was talking about the transformational power of the gospel. Yep. So I had to go and preach, 
this particular Sabbath. We were up there for two or three weeks. And so I went along with a couple of kids who were with me along this white sand beach, came to a, a river we had to cross. I, they were there waiting for me with a canoe. And I got in the canoe, which was a bit of a feat, you know, because they're skinny little canoes, <laughs> went across the river, got on the other side and was greeted by the chief who, now remember this is in my third year, so this is 30 years ago, this story. Wow. Greeted by the chief and he grabs me in a bear hug and he has these tattoos on his face. And I'm kind of looking at him all day, you know, amazed and kind of fixated by these tattoos on his face. Have you ever yeah, done yeah, that? Yeah, you know? they're, they're quite scary. And, and every now and again he'd come up to him and he'd grab me and he'd say, I love you, which which for an Aussie boy is a bit strange, you know, to push him away a little bit. And he'd keep saying, I love you. So I, I preached there a couple of times. We had an afternoon program. Amazing experience. He decides to take me home, the chief, in his boat. So we get in the boat and we're on the way home and he stops the boat. It was one of these little canoes with a little outboard on the back of it. Yep. He was a chief, so he had a motor on his boat. and So we stop the boat and he says to me, you've been looking at me all day, haven't you? <laughs> you don't want to admit that. Well, <laughs> he says, see these tattoos on my face? I, I, I said, yeah. Well, he said, let me tell you why I tell you I love you. He said, many years ago... I was brought up in a village which was a headhunting village. And for my initiation from a boy to a man, I had to go and kill someone from a neighbouring tribe and I'd bring him home and we'd eat him. Wow. So he said, I actually went and did that. I killed someone, we brought him home, we ate them. Mm. I, I mean, I'm listening to this story. It's an unbelievable story. He said, then a man by the name of Katarangaso. He's a Solomon Islander who found Jesus very early last century, in the 20th century. Katarangaso, this Solomon Island evangelist, came to my village and he told us about Jesus. And my dad, my father accepted Jesus, the whole village accepted Jesus. He said, you know what? Now when I look at you, he says, I tell you I love you. He said, these tattoos, they're evidence that once I was a, a, a headhunter. But he said, in my heart now, I'm no longer a, a headhunter. He said, I love you as my Christian brother. So he said, rather than eat you... I love you. And he looked at me, Hunty. Yep. And he said, and you'd be a good meal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That's the transformational power of Jesus that is available to our listeners today, whether it's out in the Solomon Islands or whether it's here in Australia. Yep. That's Jesus promise. changes lives. Now, remember, if you've got a question. That's right. Let's move on to this. Okay. Just real quick. Okay, zero four double eight double eight zero eight five one, or better still, Info at aussiepastor.com. I recognise this is radio and a lot of people kind of can't do this. Yeah. But if you can yep. and you send us for a good question, yep. one that really challenges me, yep. we're going to send you a Bible. Beautiful. And they are beautiful. Beautiful. Free. Yep. Giant print. Yep. Bible. This NLT. week. This week. Yep. We'll go to the shop tomorrow, buy it, and we'll send it out. That's a promise. But you've got to send us a question, and we'll choose it. We've got we've got quite a few questions yeah, actually coming through. Already come in. Yep. Yeah, this next song is a, a beautiful song, Hunty. I'm in God's hands by Mark Bishop. You'll enjoy this one. Not really alone When I feel dismayed He says don't be afraid When the world around me changes Like the shifting sands His word still stands I'm in good 
good hands When the nights are long He sees me through When it hurts He says I've been there too I like to think That I don't worry But I sometimes do Though He never fails To see me through introduce you to a friend of mine his name is david gilmore and he really is a friend of mine i'm hard pressed remembering in my mind a time when he hasn't been around david welcome to the program today oh thank you lloyd and uh, likewise you know when you're in christ that the friendship is deeper and more valuable than any other friendship you could have on this earth it is and i think one of the reasons that uh, i'm friends with you is because you inspire me and you've you've inspired me for a long long time i think i was telling you long ago when i used to walk away from jesus as a young man i used to look at you and you're not much older than me as a young man and i would see a man who followed christ and it used to even back then as i'd watch you and your ministry and what you were doing used to tug at my heartstrings and that's why i've got you on here now i'm 57 i think you're a couple of years older than me uh i'm, I'm not yeah, i don't want to yeah. well i don't know whether it bothers you or not but i think what you're four or five years older than me or something like that um uh, if you think of the ten commandments you're giving a pretty good number <laughs> Well, the thing is, you're a bit above me. So here you've got this young guy, and you didn't know this, did you, David? You've got this young guy 
me, yep. who's struggling with his faith, got some pretty yes. serious addictions and habits and practices in his life, and I look yes. up at you, one of the older youth, and you know what I saw? I saw a guy who ah. was in love with Jesus who just couldn't keep quiet. It bubbled out of you, man, and it was it was fantastic. It, it, it impacted me. Seriously, I'm not just saying that. It impacted me as I watched this other young man, not that much older than me, fall in love with Jesus so deeply that he couldn't be quiet. And you were actually probably one of the most active people I knew in the Adventist church as a young man in Brisbane, and I loved it. Now, one thing I do know about you, though, David, back then, you were, yes. my friend, a confirmed yes. bachelor. Yes. But God had plans for you. He did. So you're out he doing did. Bible studies. You're working in the church as a volunteer a lot of the time. You're baptizing yes. people through the power of Christ and the Holy Spirit. Uh, you yes. win, you, you, you're actually in the process of going in with God helping you and turning churches upside down. I, I'll say that for you because I saw it when I was in Brisbane. Yes. But you're a yes. confirmed bachelor. Yes. Tell us what God did because I reckon this is one of the really good love stories. Well, this this is a, a bit of a journey because uh, I was I was getting to the stage where you, you know, man, it's not good for man to be alone. You no, know, it's you need not. help. No, it's not. Uh, and I've been so busy sharing Jesus, and I, I I decided to you know look, it's time for me to settle down. You know, and I was in the thirties by this time. Do you know what and, Jesus you looked know, down, David? Jesus looked down at you and he said, This boy's this man's been working hard for me. It's time <laughs> I got him a wife. Yes. <laughs> I like well, it. Well, you know, unfortunately I did it a little bit in my own strength and I went mm. ahead and look, uh, my first marriage didn't work out. Yeah. Uh, and that scared me. Um, because I mm. thought I was doing, following what Jesus said, you know, she was a Christian. Mm. In fact, I'd helped convert her. Lovely girl. Mm. But, you know, things, yeah, there were some challenges and, uh, it, she ended up divorcing me. And, and that, that just tore me apart. And yeah. I, I thought, I well, didn't know that about you, David. Yes. And, um, mm. so I decided, well, look, I'll do what I love doing. I'll share Jesus. I'll go to the Philippines. I'll get away from Australia. I've got to get over this. So you went, you went through a devastating divorce. Oh, mate, it, it tore me to shreds. And, um, and look, probably a lot my, of my own fault, you know, you know, yeah. selfishness can come in or I, I put the Lord's work above my family or, you know, this, things can happen. Actually, the, the Lord's work is your family, isn't it? It, it is. Anyway. I, I actually I sent you, I sent you pain there, David, because on that one, you and I have had a similar journey, haven't we? Oh, it, it, I wouldn't recommend it for anyone. And look, it, I, I don't blame the girl. Uh, you know, mm. we, we just, uh, naturally tend to be a little bit self-orientated. Even if you do love Jesus, you, you still got a lot to learn about, you know, growing. And, uh, I went to the Philippines. And I didn't. What, go what were you doing me. over? Yeah, what were you doing in the Philippines? I was planting churches, running yep. evangelism, yep, and winning souls. Yeah, uh, we we hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of baptisms. We planted a few churches, um, built a few churches. Yep, and I had the time of my life yeah. serving the Lord. Yeah, yeah. 
and uh, then the law. By, by the way, before you go on, when you work in Australia, which is pretty tough, isn't it good yep. to go to a country where the Holy Spirit is working like Pentecost oh. in Acts 2, where just hundreds yep. and thousands of people, and which is what the Philippines is like. You just oh, got thousands and thousands of people coming to Christ over there, and it's such an exciting place, isn't it, to work? Oh, absolutely. And it was a Filipino in Australia that, who accepted the Lord so readily that sort of inspired me, and I had a Filipino friend, and that he said, go and help mm. rebuild this church. The cyclone knocked it down, so over we went, ran yep. the program, we did just that. Yeah, yeah. So what happens? Well, I, I started working there, and then, uh, you know, I planned to go for a few months. Yep. And uh, the church wasn't finished, so a few months ended up uh, a year. Yes. And then here ended up three years. Wow. And uh, we planted some more churches. Yes. So and you're you're living in the Philippines? Three years, I never, never left the place. Wow, okay. Three years solid. Yep. And, uh, and something interesting, I learned a lot, Lloyd, because I had no income, no bank account. Yep. For three years. Yep. The Lord kept me. There were some sponsors that helped me, and the Lord just looked after me. Yeah. I, of course, I had no car, no accommodation was free, so was, but I was able to receive money to build churches while I was there. Well, you're working with the guy. You're working for the guy, and I'm talking about God who owns the world. Money's oh, not an issue a, for you, and if, if, if you're working for him, you've got to make sure you're okay. Oh, look, it built my faith. Yeah. And look, the people love me. It helped heal me. Yeah. It helped heal my broken heart. So you're over there, yeah. you're working, but you're also being... Isn't it amazing how working for God does that? Oh. It well, that's how I you. met my wife. So you meet that's your wife. You, you meet this, this, this girl over there. Um, yes. You fall in love. Well, actually, it, it, it didn't start off like that. We were just working together. Okay. He was yep. a cook, a physician. Yep. And, um, you know, I, of course, I lo- loved all the people there, but, I, you know, I was still hurt. So I wasn't keen. Mum's bit twice shy, if yeah. you know what I'm yes, talking about. Yes, I do. And uh, anyway, um, we worked together. She went back home after the evangelist. There was a whole team of us. We mm-hmm. were doing a program uh, there to, to prepare for another evangelist. We had 70 baptisms. Wow. Uh, she went home. The pastors went home. I stayed on to do some follow-up programs. Yes. We went to a program, and I said to her, oh, haven't seen you around. Where you been? She says, oh, I've just been waiting for you. And I thought, what? You know, she said she was joking, you know, but it made me think. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so yeah. I did. You have this old bachelor boy and this pretty Filipino girl, and she says she's waiting for you. Of course, you're going to start to think. <laughs> so I thought, well, look, I, I didn't come here for this, and I don't know how to do it. So I asked the president and the pastors, I say, help me. You know, what do I do? You know, it's just a good family. I, you know, I did. Yeah. And, and, uh, they were joking with me. They said, oh, you've got to go over and chop wood for the family for six months and look after them and then you'll be okay, you know. <laughs> so you brought her uh, back to Australia? Said, yes, we did. And uh, But it took about a year to get the papers through, so we worked for the Lord. Yeah, yeah. We bought on our honeymoon. We helped with an evangelistic program. We built our own church. We built it for $2,000 and wow. put up some roots. <laughs> so we you, had an awesome time. You eventually end up back in Australia with your with your new wife, 
Um, yes. You go into ministry. Now, that's another story. Yes. We're going to have to come back and get some more details of this uh, wonderful life of yours. But you are now in the most amazing place. Where do you work now? Oh. Oh, it's right in the geographical centre of Australia. Uh, it's a place called Alice Springs, but I look after half of the Northern Territory. So I have, you know, about uh, five uh, families that are helping me. Yeah. And uh, we have about, we've got three church buildings and we've got some small groups in Where, uh, where are these Aboriginal church buildings? Community. Where are these church buildings? One, the, the, the oldest one is in Alice Springs itself. Okay, yes. The, the next one was built in that community called Fink. Yep. Some people might have heard of the Fink Desert yeah, I Race. Have. Yeah, I have. Is that, is that down right on the border? Here. Yes, it's on the border. It's not far from the... It's right on the edge of the Simpson Desert near the South Australian border, yes. So you, and where's the other church? So you've got one at the Fink, you've got one at Alice yes. Springs, yep. One a church building in Tennant Creek, and there are workers, uh, couples working in those churches. Yes. Uh, because it, it's too far for me to visit regularly enough so you've so, got three um, chur- you've got three churches you care for how many groups because you've got groups now that meet as well well we met it we went down and there was this uh, family this uh, community uh, called Mankata that asked us to come there we preached and the community have become a predominantly sabbath keeping community wow, okay uh, this is an indigenous Mankata. this is an indigenous church now yes it's uh uh, a minor community, which means it has a school. There's no shop there. They go up to Tender Creek. It's 80 k's away. Yep. And uh, there's no clinic there. So, uh, but there's, you know, there's probably about 80, 180 people there. Lots of kids. And uh, so that's that's one group. So another that, one is West. Yeah, go on, go on. It's in Half Bluff. So that's another story. Uh, so it's it's exciting. It is. Are you working mostly with Indigenous people out there in the desert? In the desert, it is all Indigenous. I think okay. it's, uh, it's, it's all Indigenous church. Yep. And Tennant Creek is predominantly Indigenous. Yes. Uh, Alice and Hearth Bluff is Indigenous. We, we've, we've built a little chapel there. We built a little chapel at Ancarte. Um, Mm, mm. And we we we're about to build a bigger church here. That's another story. But the, the work is growing incredibly, incredibly. Well, coming toward the end of our interview, I want to hear one powerful story, David, of something yes. that's happened to somebody out there that is changing for Christ, the centre of our great nation. I'll tell you the story of my friend Emmanuel. In fact, he's adopted me into the Aboriginal family, and he gave me a name, Jari, which means brother. Oh, okay. He was, born, he was born a Lutheran Christian, but didn't, got away from God, was drinking and got into, you know, things yeah. sometimes. He was a street fighter. And it, when he was nine years old, he heard a voice, yep. go west and I'll show you what you need to know. And that was the voice of God, because there was no one there when he looked around. So I actually heard he the did. voice, he heard the voice... With his ears, with his ears, a literal voice. He thought it was ah. someone talking to him. his language. It was in the eating area, but when he looked around, there just wasn't anyone there. Okay, and the and the voice repeated, and he eventually did go west to Western Australia, became a Christian, a 
and a pastor. He met a fellow by the name of Saturday, and uh, he had a dream about Saturday. And Saturday said, you follow me and you can come to heaven. He thought, well, what does that mean? So he meets what this is- guy Saturday, but then he yes. has a dream about Saturday. Yes. And in the dream, Saturday and- said, follow me. Yes. Okay. And, and And guess what happened? Saturday died on Saturday. Wow. And he thought, wow. And then he met, he had to go south. He was up, up in the north of Western Australia. Yeah. He went right down and he met a lady who nearly ran him over. Yes. Because she didn't see him. Yeah. At the hostel and she invited him to a revelation seminar. Now, a revelation seminar, <laughs> what is a, a Bible study on the book of Revelation? I'm, I'm guessing. It, it is. It goes through 20 lessons on revelation and includes the Sabbath, Saturday. And okay. Ah, that's interesting. And uh, he he fell in love with Rossi at the same time and asked her to marry him. And, uh, well, she said, well, look, we only marry people who keep the Sabbath and Saturday and the teachings of our church. He said, yep, I'm so, willing to do that. So he goes back to that dream, follow me, yep. Saturday. Then he comes yep. across the Sabbath. Yep. And it, it, it's like a big tick in his mind. He becomes a Seventh-day Adventist Sabbath-keeping Christian. Yeah. Wow. Then they decided to become missionaries. Okay. <laughs> they went back to the desert. This is in Perth. Yeah, yeah. And he went there, and you know what they did? They did what Jesus said to do. Feed the hungry. Yeah. Clothe the naked. Yep. You know, help those that are sick. Yes. And, and they did this. Then they started Bible studies. And then they asked me to go out there. So we went out and ran a program, and... And the, their nephew, who's the leader in the committee, says, we're going to build you a church. Oh, I nearly fell off my chair. Wow. And you know what? They're doing it. So they're building a <laughs> they're church building right a building now. For this, right this year, they're planning to do that. Wow. That's the power of God, isn't it? I mean, you... And we had, we've had four baptisms this year yeah. out there, right in the middle of the desert in a beautiful place. In fact, I'd love to show you the picture. Because, uh, it, because your friend followed... Yeah the leading of God, who started yes. with a vision, a dream. Yes. In Mer- and, 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 and here I am out here and the work is just, it, it, it's the Holy Spirit moving. Yeah. It's not the worker. It's just your willingness to, to work with Jesus. We follow, follow the Holy Spirit and his word and you will be blessed in your ministry. We've had nine baptisms already this year. Yeah, wonderful. Look, I wish in we had more. In the middle of the desert. I wish we, yeah, in the middle of the desert where there's supposed to be no one. I wish we had more time. Uh, I'm planning to come out there sometime this year, actually, and uh, hopefully we can get your story on film and, and get it up more because there's such so many exciting things happening. But, but David, thank you for the interview today. I, I want to thank you personally for your life, uh, for your witness to me personally, and for from an early age giving your heart to Jesus and and he is making a difference through you and your ministry in the centre of Australia and I thank you for it. God bless and I hope we could talk again soon. Thank you, Lloyd. You're a special friend and, and your friendship is so special to me and I think it's Jesus that that that's drawn us close to each other and, and makes us gives us that love for winning souls. Yeah, for sure. See you next time. Thank you so much. God bless. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Auntie. Yeah, mate. We've got to get out there. We do. Where he was talking to us from. Yes. And do some filming. Can't wait. I've never been out there. 
I've never been to Alice Springs. I've never been to the Fink. I've never been into the wow, Aussie Desert. It's spectacular. Yeah, the, the furthest west I've been was when we lived in Queensland as a, a boy. I think I got out to Injun or somewhere around there. Okay. And it was starting to get a bit sparse out there, but I've never, ever had the joy of going out into the Aussie desert. In fact, I've never gone further west than Adelaide. Cool. I've never been up into the desert, never been to Perth, never been to West Australia, and yet I've travelled the world. You know, you know, it's actually quite dangerous to travel around in the middle of Australia. You need to take water, satellite phones and an e-burb. Funny you say that because I was talking to David um, a little bit before this interview today and he was telling me that when he goes, his he, he's, he's actual field where, he's, where he ministers yep. is 1,000 kilometres long. Well, it's 1,000 from north to south. Yes. And it's 1,000 from east to west. That's right. It's bigger than many countries in Europe put together. We, we did a pre-interview with him and we were talking about uh, that and he, he told me that he would always, I said, is it dangerous out there? He said, I've always got 20 litres of water. And do you remember what else he said in that pre-interview? A satellite phone. A satellite phone. But I add, I add to that an EPIRB. Yeah. Because a satellite phone is not, not always a guaranteed thing. Because I know you've been out there quite a bit. Yep. Uh, for our listeners who don't know Hunty, and that's probably most of you, he is an avid four-wheel driver. He'd live out there if he could. I love to explore. <laughs> yeah, you do. You do. And that's, it's a good thing too, man. Hey, look, one more chance, Hunty. Yep. yep. For, now, we've got some questions. Praise the Lord. Yeah, we've got some questions, But, but yes. one, one more chance for you to get your, your gift, questions. Your gift Bible too. Well, yes. Get your questions in and we'll give you a bible if it's a good one hunty because ask the aussie pastors coming up just after this next song it is so so phone number and email zero four double eight double eight zero eight five one or better still info at aussiepastor.com thank you hunty this next song whisper gently from stones of eden it's a beautiful song
that's Whisper Gently from Stones of Eden. Grunty. What a great song. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. I never heard it before no, either. It's new to me I'm too. finding all these new songs. Um, ask the Aussie pastor. That's right. It's now the time. We have some very interesting questions here. I, I some, actually hope... some big questions here. Yeah, I, I, I hope... Well, I'm going to answer them quick. You You're always going to get quick answers in this segment. But I hope it's a segment that grows, and I hope we can uh, continue to get more and more feedback from our audience. Yep. Uh, so let's get straight into it, Hunty. Sure. First question. Okay, first question. Why should I take any notice of the Bible? Hmm. I get, I get asked that question a lot, actually. Uh, well, why the Bible? My quick answer to that is if you get into the Bible, the one thing you're going to get that you get nowhere else from any other spiritual or religious textbook is Jesus. The Bible is it's like a love letter from God to us. And so when you open it, the Holy Spirit gets into your heart and he gets into your mind and he points you to Jesus in a very powerful way. Now, I could go into, Hunty, all the prophecies that are in the Bible, hundreds of prophecies yeah. that have come true. Yep. That are going to come true. That's my favourite way of proving the Bible. Yeah, I like that way, but I really like the fact that when I open the Bible, it's all about Jesus. Yep. Because as Jesus, as as Wayne was saying earlier on when we were talking to him, it's Jesus that transforms people and changes people and gives them peace. So my short answer is, yeah, you've got all the prophecies. I know you like that, Hunter. I do. You've got all the prophecies, but above all else, why the Bible? Well, because that's where you're going to go before anywhere else to find out who Jesus is. In fact, to meet Jesus. You will meet Jesus in the Bible. How's that? That's a good reason to take notice of it. Next question. Okay, um, this is uh, from the Central Coast. Um, what started sin? Oh, that's, that is... <laughs> <laughs> You've got your time starts now. <laughs> <laughs> that's a really big question, actually. So where did all this pain and suffering come from, kind of? Because that's, that's what sin does. What started sin... Simply, sin started in the heart of an angel who was in heaven probably before the world was created. Wow. He was actually the head angel of heaven. His name was Lucifer. I think we're going to do a Bible study not too too distant future on this radio program about this. Bible tells this story. Again, we're going back to the Bible. See, wonderful place to go to find out the truth. Introduced to Jesus. So here you are. We're in heaven, and you have this angel who is the head angel of heaven, Lucifer, And the bottom line is he wanted to sit on the throne with God. Pride. And that's where it started. And it was just an amazing story how rebellion broke out in heaven. Can you believe it, Hunty? A third of the angels followed Lucifer in this rebellion against God. Yeah, I find that hard to believe. It's true, though. They're smart beings. They were tricked by. I don't know how they were tricked. Yeah. But there's this great war between a third of the angels and on Satan or Lucifer's side and two-thirds on the other. Bottom line is they end up here on earth. They deceive Adam and Eve, who are our first parents, and the world plunges into sin, and we've been suffering death and pain and sorrow ever since. Hey, good news is yes, Jesus will come back soon and end this war. Yep. And that's not far away. True. Okay. These are short answers. I'm always going to wow. give short answers Well here. done. But, but most of these questions that we've had today, we're going to do Bible studies in this program in the not-too-distant future. This next question is a ripper, but it actually actually leads into the Bible study, so I saved it for last. Oh, okay. Um, what does the Bible say, uh, re, which day I should worship God? <laughs> Pretty simple. You should worship seven days a week. There you go. You weren't expecting that answer, were you? I was thinking Saturday, Sunday. No, you, you should worship God seven days a week, 24-7. So which day should you worship God? Every single 
day of the week. That's a good answer. If you're asking what is God's day, his holy day, when he calls us together to cease all work and to worship him, well, that's the Sabbath. Yep. And you're correct, Hunty. We're about to do a whole Bible study on that. So no short answer for this one. We're going to do a big answer after this next song, 10,000 Reasons. I love this song. Beautiful song. This is one I do know. 10,000 Reasons by Caleb and Kelsey. song hunty i love it remember the first time we ever sung that at new hope i do very special occasion yeah tell us about that can you yeah, i think you remember better than me i do remember because it was very moving there were tears in the church when we, we did this we had a lovely lady a bible worker her name was claire and she was working with our church and she came to you and she said lloyd you'll not believe what's happening and i get emotional just thinking about it but it was just before those uh, drug runners. The two Aussie boys were in the um, Indonesian jail yeah. over there yep. in Bali. Yep. 
And they're about to be executed. They've been taken to the execution island. Yes. And the song that they sang, in fact, this is this before or after they were executed? I'm trying to remember. They were singing it as they were shot. Yeah, and so that next Sabbath after they'd been executed, now these are two boys who were drug runners. They'd ended up becoming Christians, which was an amazing story. Mm-hmm. And as they were led out to be executed for drug running, which is what happens in Indonesia. Yep. My wife's from Indonesia. Every time I go back there, you see these huge signs, you know, death penalty for drugs. You just don't do drugs in, in we don't do drugs anywhere, but certainly don't do them in Indonesia. And then we, we sang this song the week after they'd been executed, knowing that this is the song they sang as uh, they were marched out onto the field and those bullets ripped into them. And it was quite moving, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. But do you remember um, we filmed a special, a special prayer that we sent out asking the Lord to intervene for those guys? Yeah, yeah. Well, he did intervene. He saved their hearts and their souls. Amen. And they sleep now waiting for the Lord. In fact, one of them's buried just up the road from where we live here. Wow. Today's Bible study, Hunty. Yes. It's on the Sabbath. This is, it's actually a two-part series. We're going to do one this week and one next week. This week I'll show you the Sabbath in the Bible from creation right through to eternity. The Sabbath is, I love this word. Do you know this word, Hunty? Perpetual. Yes. It means ongoing. Ongoing forever. Yeah, it never stops. The Sabbath never stops. Now, I know this is challenging for some of our listeners out there. For some it might be new. For some... Well, you know about the Adventists because I guess we are the big Sabbath keeping, Sabbath celebrating, uh, on Sabbath worship church. It's the one thing I think that sets Adventism up perhaps above any other doctrine is our belief in the Sabbath. I, I kind of want to say right from the start though, Hunty, you don't get to heaven by keeping the Sabbath. True. You get to heaven by having the Lord of the Sabbath as your master and your saviour. Of course. And the Lord of the Sabbath is Jesus. Jesus. We'll look at that more next week. But this week I just want to show you from the Bible that the Sabbath is perpetual, that it was created for mankind at the beginning of the world, that it has always been, is now, and will always be in the history of humanity and in the future of humanity the Sabbath is one of those central things. And so that's what I want to show you today, Auntie. Cool. And you're going to help me. Yes. But before we do, we're going to pray. Yes. Is that all right? Love to. Let's pray. Dear Father, this is a Bible study. This is an on-radio, online Bible study. This is a subject that challenges a lot. It's one that people struggle with, but it's one that when they get a hold of it, it's life-transforming. And so I would pray, Jesus, that you'll be here with us uh, and that what we share will be powerful and convicting only if it's in the scripture and truth. I pray that with confidence in you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, Hunter, if you want to know about the Sabbath, really go back to the beginning. Yep. Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 to 3. Now, if you have a Bible, you might be listening in your car, you might be at work, so you can't get to a Bible. I'm going to get Hunty to read the scripture out. But if you have a Bible, now's a good time to grab it. You know what I love about doing Bible studies with people? I actually do Bible studies with people, you know that? You do. I go to their houses, yep. I sit at their tables, I open the Bible, and one of the things I like about Bible study is going to the Bible. Yes. Let the Bible answer the question. 
And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to let... Now, again, I know this is challenging. I don't step back from that. I think that's cool. I like things that challenge me. I like truth when it challenges challenges me, Hunty, even if it makes me uncomfortable. Yep. If this makes you uncomfortable, it doesn't mean you should flee from it. If it challenges, it doesn't mean run away. When God challenges you in the Bible, front up to it. It's a good thing. Yeah, have a look at what he says. And if it's in the Bible, then do it. Now, now... Let's see whether this Sabbath thing is biblical or not. Genesis chapter 2, we're going right back to his context, Hunty. Yep. We're right back at the beginning of the world. God has just created the world. He spent six days speaking the earth into existence. I actually believe. Mm, Me too. I'm no evolutionist. I'm not atheist. I believe God spoke the world into existence. Yep. I believe in a creator. I believe that the world was designed and made by him. Me too. And at the end of six days of creation, so he's just brought this whole world into being, he's just created human beings, this is what he does on the seventh day. Can you read it for me, Hunty? Sure. And we're reading from the NLT version, Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 to 3. Yep. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. So here's God at the end of creation, and he does three things in this text, Hunty. Yep. He blesses the Sabbath, and so he makes it special. He makes it holy. He sets it apart. This is sacred time, and he rests. Yep. He rests. Beautiful, isn't it? Love it. So right from the beginning... Of the creation of mankind, of humanity, you have the Sabbath. A lot of people say to me, oh, the Sabbath came in with the Jews. No, it didn't. It doesn't belong to the Jews any more than it belongs to Seventh-day Adventists. It was given to us right here at the beginning of the world, at creation. Correct. There are no Jews at this time. There are no Adventists. There is only Adam and Eve. This is a human thing. Now, I'm going to take you down. This is a pretty quick Bible study. You know, my Bible studies are quick, Hunty. Did you know that? I know. I'm looking at the clock, and I know it's going to be quick. We don't worry about the clock. I, <laughs> when, I, when, I sit, when I sit under the table um, and, and study with people, my Bible studies have been 20 and 30 minutes, so they're, they're not long. Yep. The reason I do that is so you can keep up, so you don't lose interest, so you don't lose your concentration. So we've got the Sabbath at creation. Can you see that, Hunty? Absolutely. Okay, let's go ooh, two and a half, three thousand years into the history of mankind. Exodus 28 to 11, let me give you context. Yep. The Jews have been slaves in Israel for, uh, in Egypt, sorry, the Israelites, the yep. Jews, have been slaves in Egypt for 400 years. Moses, heard of him? Yep. He comes into Egypt. He, oh, the power of God. It's a great story. Read it in Exodus. Sets, they reckon there might have been up to 3 million slaves. Wow. I think probably more like a million. Sets them free. They head off into the desert, and God camps them underneath a mountain. And on top of that mountain, God descends. Imagine this. And he speaks to the children of Israel, one million to three million who were slaves, now set free from Abraham, from Abraham, from (laughs) Moses. They're on their way to the promised land. Um, So they're going across the desert from Egypt to Israel. God speaks to them, and he speaks their law. In the middle of the law is this one, Exodus 28 to 11. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, 
No one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and your daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock and any foreigners living among you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea and everything in them. But on the seventh day he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Notice that last verse? He rested, he blessed it. He said it apart, he made it holy. This is the same stuff that's going on in Genesis. So God is not introducing the Sabbath here to the Israelites. He's reminding them, he's teaching them again. In the middle of his law, he's teaching them that, hey, the Sabbath is in vogue. We're going to talk about next week why the Sabbath is such a big deal. So you have the Sabbath at creation. We have the Sabbath 2,000, 3,000 years later uh, with the Israelites. How about Jesus? Did he keep the Sabbath? Luke chapter 4, verse 16. Yep. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. Jesus was a Sabbath keeper. Yep. The one who came and saved the world was a Sabbath keeper. And people say, well, he was a Jew. Yeah, he was a Jew, but he's also Jesus. And we can walk safely in his footsteps. What Jesus did, we can do. Jesus was a Sabbath keeper. So so look at this for a moment. Look at the timeline. The Sabbath is at creation. The Sabbath was two, three thousand years later at the Exodus. The Sabbath was another two thousand years, so four thousand years into history with Jesus. Jesus was a Sabbath keeper. But a lot of people say to me, Hunty, oh, you know what? The Sabbath was done away with when Jesus was resurrected. Yes. Well, if that's the case, the early Christian church that Jesus founded should not be a Sabbath keeping church. True. And yet if you go to Acts, which is the book of the early church, let's find out, and I can take you, we haven't got time today, I've got to take you half a dozen or more examples in the book of Acts of this very thing. Acts 17, verse 2 to 4. As was Paul's custom, he went to the synagogue service, and for three Sabbaths in a row he used the scriptures to reason with the people. He explained the prophecies and proved that the Messiah must suffer and rise from the dead. He said, This Jesus I'm telling you about is the Messiah. Some of the Jews who listened were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, along with many God-fearing Greek men and quite a few prominent women. Bible makes very clear here that the Sabbath that Paul was worshipping on is not just about the Jews and a Hebrew thing. Because here you have Jews being persuaded, you also have Greek men and a few prominent women. So you have Jews and non-Jews meeting with Paul, arguably the greatest of all apostles, worshipping on the Sabbath. So you have the Sabbath at creation, you have the Sabbath at Exodus, you have the Sabbath with Jesus, now you have the Sabbath with the early Christian church. What about the Sabbath with the last day church? Matthew 24. This is Jesus in prophecy, sitting with his disciples on the mountain outside of Jerusalem, on the Mount of Olives, overlooking the valley. We've been there, hunty. Yep. Uh, outside of Jerusalem, and he's prophesying about the last days. And he's talking to his church. That's his last day church. That's you and me. That's you if you're listening today and you love Jesus and you're born again and being converted to him. This is you that he's talking to. This is his church. And what does he say in prophecy about his last day church? How terrible it will be for pregnant women and for nursing mothers in those days. And pray that your flight will not be in winter or on the Sabbath. Stop there for a, uh, for a moment, hunty. There's going to be a time of persecution. I don't like this prophecy, mm. but Jesus is saying before he comes, there's going to be a time of persecution. Yeah. Pray that you don't have to flee in winter or on the Sabbath. In the winter, why? It's cold. 
But the Sabbath, so many will tell you the Sabbath's been done away with. Mm. But here we are, Jesus' last day church, and he's saying, pray that you don't have to flee when? Winter or Sabbath. Why Sabbath? Because it still, still matters. Matters, yeah. You got the Sabbath at creation. You got the Sabbath in the Exodus. You got the Sabbath with Jesus. You got the Sabbath with the early church. Now you've got the Sabbath with God's last day church. See, it's perpetual. Yep. It's ongoing. Let's go, Hunty. Yep. I love this one. Me too. Let's go into heaven. Yep. And onward to the new earth. Now, I haven't got time to show this today. Another Bible study coming up here on the Aussie Pastor. You're going to see this very shortly. We're a thousand years into eternity. We're yep. back on the earth. Yep. Jesus has recreated everything. This is the center of the universe. Why? Because God's throne's here. And what happens? This is Isaiah in prophecy, and he's talking about a thousand years plus into eternity. What's happening? As surely as my new heavens and earth will remain, so will you always be my people with a name that will never disappear, says the Lord. All humanity will come to worship me from week to week, and from month to month. I love the way the New King James says this. How's that? All humanity will come to worship me from Sabbath to Sabbath. Yep. From month to month. Even when we get into eternity, hunty, we will be worshipping God on the Sabbath. Yep. So the Sabbath, look, look, look at this. Sabbath at creation. Yep. Agree? Agree. That's what the Bible said. Totally. Sabbath was the with the Hebrews yep. and the Israelites in the Exodus. Yep. Agree? Agreed. Jesus was a Sabbath keeper. Totally. Went to church, worshipped, prayed, kept the Sabbath, preached, holy. The early Christian church, they're Sabbath keepers. Man, yep. if I had more time, I'd go into the book of Acts. I'll prove to you there is no evidence whatsoever anywhere in the Bible that the early Christian church were worshipping on Sunday. They are Sabbath keepers. Yes. Then you've got the end day church. Jesus is saying, hey, you don't want to flee on the Sabbath. Why? Well, because that's a day where you and me get together. Yep. It's holy. It's blessed. It's set apart. Yep. That's the end day church. Then you go into eternity. Yep. The Sabbath's still going. Amen. Creation, Exodus, Jesus, early church, late church, eternity. It's there. It's perpetual. Yes. And you might say, well, what's the big deal? What is the big deal about the Sabbath? Well, guess what, hunty? Yep. That's what we're going to go next week. Okay. But but can I give a little glimpse in the last few seconds I have here yes. of why it's a big deal? Yes, please. It's because the Sabbath is about you and Jesus. Yep. That's the day that Jesus sets apart for you and him. And when you get together with Jesus, you get blessings, yes. you get healing. Amen. It is just so, so wonderful. Yep. So today, all I wanted to show you was the Sabbath is in creation, is in the Exodus, was with Jesus, was with the early church. It was with the last day church, and you know what, hunty? Yep. It is also in eternity. I heard the story of Jesus Sounded like music in my ear Beautiful story of Jesus Spelled my doubts and all my fears How marvelous is His love Brought to me 
not just a story, but reality. This world is longing to know wonderful story of Jesus. I'll take it wherever I go. Tell of His love for this world to save every man. Woman, boy, and girl. Oh, it's not just a story. Oh, it's not just a story. Oh, that plain and simple story became real to me. Such a beautiful song. Now, this is very important as we close our program today. If you go to aussiepastor.com. Yep. That's not hard to get to, Auntie. www.aussiepastor.com. aussiepastor.com and click on today's offer. We will send you more information about the Sabbath. Yep. Just fill it out. No obligation. We won't chase you. We won't harass you. We will just send you more information about this incredible subject. And you know what, Hunty? I think of all the blessings in my life, the Sabbath is right up there. It's beautiful. And God offers you something very special on the Sabbath. So go to aussiepastor.com and click on today's offer, fill it out. We'll get that out to you as quickly as possible. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I personally thank you for Jesus and for the story of Jesus. And I thank you for the Sabbath, which has brought rest and healing. And because I'm with you, peace to my life. May that be the experience of everyone listening today. In the name of Jesus, amen. My name is Lloyd Grolleman. I'm the Aussie pastor, and I love you, Jesus. He loves you a whole lot more. See you next time. Thanks for joining the Aussie Pastor. If you enjoyed today's program and would like to find out more about Jesus, our ministry, always to support us, go to findjesus.tv. 